Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. I want you to take a quick second and imagine what our nation would look like if we boldly invested in our neighborhoods and cities and showed young people, particularly black men and boys, real opportunities to build upon their God-given assets and live their best lives possible. That's the work that the Campaign for Black Male Achievement and my dear friend Sean Dove, CEO of CBME, has been working on over the past decade. They've joined and supported thousands of leaders on the ground to elevate and accelerate this very vision and mission. Visit tbpod.com slash partners today to learn more about CBMA and consider joining their membership and or donating to help them scale the impact of this growing field of black male achievement. You're listening to the trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful Black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. On our show today, we're talking with Mr. David Moody Jr. Mr. Moody actually first appeared on a podcast back, way back on episode 11, back in the year 2016. (laughs) Jokes aside, Mr. Moody is one of the most inspiring people I think I've ever featured on the podcast. He's got degrees from Morehouse and Howard, went on to start his own business, CD Moody Construction. And his company has gone on to build amazing landmarks. He's helped build the Olympic Stadium and Turner Field, Atlanta History Center, Morehouse Leadership Center, and many, many others. Very important to note, he's running one of the largest Black-owned businesses in the country for more than a decade now. He's been listed in the BE100 list. And, you know, what I really love and appreciate is obviously his wisdom for business, but also his humility and the causes that he supports. And he's a family man, married to his beautiful wife. And, you know, I'm just excited to dive in and share this episode with you. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to connect with me. I am on Twitter, on the gram. You can find me. My handles are at Stephen A. Hart or the podcast is at TV Pod. As you listen to the episode, feel free to tweet or hit us up on an IG story. I want to hear your favorite takeaways. I want to know what inspired you most from this episode to help you blaze your trail. If you're ready, let's get set to receive some mission fuel from our featured trailblazer, Mr. David Moody Jr. Moody, how you doing? How you doing? Good to see you, my brother. I am blessed. I'm doing really well. Keeping busy. It's been three years since our first conversation. Yes. <laughs> well, I was laughing because I was about to turn 60 and yes. our last one, and I'll be 63 in May. Wow. Wow. When's your birthday? May, what? May 21st. May 21st. My mom's the 25th. All right. Good lady. <laughs> So we often start the podcast off now from a place of gratitude. And so I'd love to invite you to maybe kick things off and share with us, you know, what's something that you're most grateful for in your life right now? You know, it's interesting as you age, mm-hmm. one of the things you really learn to appreciate is your family, your close friends, people who really matter. But most importantly, you really learn to value time. Mm. That's the one valuable thing 
We can't get back. You can't replace. I mean, time is so special. So in other words, don't waste it. Don't spend time fretting, frustrated, angry too long because that is time you can never, ever get back. That's so So true. Aging has taught me the value of time. Yes. Yes. So true. It can make more money, right? Right. It can make more time. That's a fact. Often (laughs) people who are very, very successful, and I use Steve Jobs often for me, who was one of the richest men in the world, but he couldn't buy any more time. That's so true. So so time is the most valuable asset all of us have. So true. So at the time we're recording this, we're in the middle of Black History Month. And I enjoy, over the past couple of years, I've enjoyed so much of your social media posts for a guy that's almost 63 years, super active on social. And I love your photography. Amongst Thank you. many of the things that you share on social, you have the most amazing shots of God's creations, right? As you explore and some of the other things too. I mean, you share these amazing pictures of people over time. Right. Uh, I feel like you've met several past presidents, possibly. Yes. Right. You're like the Black Forest Gump. <laughs> That's what I call myself, Forest Gump. I'm the Black Forest Gump. I just seen the pop up and stuff over the last 62 and a half years. Yes, yes. That's amazing to me. What does Black History Month mean to you? Well, you know, to me, it means a number of things. One, you know, I went to Morehouse College for yes. got my degree in psychology. Then I went to Howard University and got my degree in architecture. But I often think of my paternal grandfather, James Moody. He came to America in 1901 at 17 from British Honduras, which is now Belize. Mm -hmm. He knew no one and he worked his way over on a banana boat. And he came to America because he wanted to get an education. And what amazes me the most about his story that he was willing to come, he came to Louisiana, that he was willing to come to Jim Crow segregation Mm. and deal with all that. But he wanted an education. At 17, they put him back in sixth grade, and he went on and finished college, raised eight kids with my grandmother. All eight got advanced degrees. He never owned a car. They were raised in a shotgun house in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Didn't get electricity. Well, excuse me, they didn't get indoor plumbing until the 40s. And so when I think of Black history, I think of people like that. I think of people like my grandmother, who was a sharecropper, my maternal grandmother. They were sharecroppers in Social Circle, Georgia, and then moved to Chicago in the 30s with the Great Migration. So I think of all those people who couldn't do things or didn't get opportunities to do things because of the color of their skin or their gender, but especially in Black history, but the color of their skin. You know, a Black woman had less opportunity than a Black man. So for me, it's all those unsung heroes who never gave up, whose names we'll never know. That's what I think about it, Black History Month. Mm, mm. You know, as it relates to Black people in business, right? Who do you look back at with admiration and respect who maybe did or didn't impact you directly, but set the tone for your generation and helped you and maybe others to rise? You know, probably a couple of folks for me was like Ebony Magazine editor Johnson, you know, the owner Johnson. You know, it's kind of interesting. I remember at my age, a lot of people... It was only a few people in business, you know, Black Enterprise Magazine, Herman Russell here mm-hmm. in Atlanta, but there weren't a lot of people, you know, you had your doctors, your lawyers in business, a few other business people. But for me, I never really knew a lot of major Black business owners because they really didn't exist. 
mm-hmm. and especially in the field of architecture and construction. Yeah. So I read a lot about people now that I find out about. But as a kid growing up, you got to remember, I grew up in the 60s. Yeah. You know, I grew up with Father Knows Best and Leave it to Beaver and all that. So we didn't even really exist in a positive way on TV and then in the press. So I didn't see a lot. Herman Russell had a very active part in Atlanta and Georgia. Was he a mentor to you? Yes. Yeah, Herman Russell was. I mean, but when you think about it, he was just, you know, a handful. He was a major player. Mm. But when you kind of think about it, it was just so few major players. Right, right. So he was definitely a mentor. We were very close. He was very helpful. But I'm thinking more as a kid growing up. That's when Mm -hmm. you really kind of set your see things and hear things or hear somebody that inspires you. I was in college when I met Herman. Wow. Wow. I wanted to talk with you a little bit about leadership and two part question, right? As we talk about this, because it ties into what you're just talking about. I often hear the bickering between baby boomers and millennials, right? And so a two part for you here is what's the advice to your generation to the boomers who still tight-fisted, still lack, you know, wanting to be transparent with the knowledge and the wisdom that can help my generation, the X and and millennials, right, behind them that are coming up to take over leadership roles. What would be your advice to them? And then the second side of this is, what's the advice to my generation? Who's got next? You know, I'm a perfect example. I'm hungry. You know, I've been putting in work. I definitely don't know it all, but... You know, I'm still making a ton of mistakes that I feel like somebody could be pouring into me and, right. and not having me make these mistakes for the first time. First part, what I would say to boomers. Now, most of the boomers I know in business and I deal with, we enjoy sharing our knowledge mm. and experience and wisdom with people. I would say those who don't, they just got some other issues because <laughs> I'm just being honest. I yeah. mean, anybody who's a boomer, you know, and doesn't want to share to help others then there's just something else because everybody I know who's a baby boomer, we enjoy sharing what we've been through, sharing our wisdom. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing I would say to the younger generation is you got to learn patience. None of this happens overnight. Right. And I think the other thing is too. remember, we are never, it's kind of like I tell my adult children, I'm never going to tell you anything to hurt you. Mm. So when a person who's been through some things in life takes time to share stuff with you, remember, unless they've shown something different about them, they're not going to tell you anything to hurt you. So, but you also have to take information and then you have to make it work for you. Uh But I think the most important thing is patience, patience, patience. Because we want it too fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to where I am overnight. I've been in business 31 years. Yeah. I mean, the first seven years, I was like, man, I hope I make it first eight. I mean, and you go through different stages. But then when you start adding, it's more to just business than the success of a business. It's your family. Mm. It's it's taking care of yourself. See, to me, success, now that I'm at the age I'm at, is that I was able to be there for my children. Now they're adults. Yes. I never wanted my business... I didn't want to be so busy that I used my business as an excuse why I couldn't be around for my children and my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful saying you're grinding so hard for the family when really that can just be an excuse not to be present. And you'll wake up one day and wish you would have been present. Right. Because that's how fast time goes. Right, 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 right. 
And I think one other thing I would, i tell you one funny story about when I first started dealing with your generation or millennials or whatever. A couple of times they were saying, hey, uh, one of the folks said, you don't, you know, stroke us enough. You don't tell us, <laughs> you know, how great we're doing. Uh, I say, I stroke you every two weeks on payday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then I went and got their job description. I said, show me where you exceeded your job description. They said, well, I haven't. I said, so why should I tell you mm, job how well you're doing if That's you're right. doing the job you've been hired to do? That's right. So <laughs> that was a real hard adjustment for me because I came along where you didn't want the boss to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that means I'm doing okay. <laughs> Just leave me alone. So that was an adjustment I had to make. And the other thing that's kind of funny is in construction, you know, we start early in the morning. Yeah. And a lot of the millennials were having trouble saying, I got to be at work at one time. (laughs) And I tell you the other thing that's quite interesting, they tend to forget they got to take a drug test. Mm. And, you know, they they tend to like to smoke weed. And I'm Uh like, man, you can't do that when you know you're going to a job. So those are the kind of conversations I had with younger folks say, hey, it's a different time now. And I know it's becoming legal in certain states, but even yeah. then you got to know the laws right. to make right, sure right, you don't right. hurt yourself before you even start. So yeah. those are the kind of things, but I'm one of those folks who I would say I'm a hippie, you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I'm not real tight like that. My wife and I aren't tight on a lot of things. So I try and really help younger folks understand if you want to go to the next level, you got to be patient. You got to put the work in and just realize it just takes time. Yeah. But keep growing, but also have a rounded life too. have a full life. You know, as you said, and I know you touched on your kids here. I know you're training them to be leaders and take on this business, right? What are you noticing that can and maybe cannot be taught in entrepreneurship and business? This is one of the things I tell people that's very important to me that I've learned. There's a price you pay to be an entrepreneur. Mm. And the price is you never stop working. And what I mean by that, even when I take vacations, I go hiking, I do all these things. I am constantly thinking about the business. What could we do better? You know, we eat what we kill in my business. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm always got to be thinking, where's the next project? How do we make sure of this? Those things. So you're constantly thinking. When you're an employee or, and I don't even like to use the word employee, I like to use teammate. When you're a teammate, when you go home, you can kind of forget about the stuff because you don't have to worry about making payroll. You don't have to worry about making sure certain things are there. So you do kind of get to shut it down some. Mm -hmm. But as an entrepreneur, you don't. And the other thing that I'm concerned about is that with technology is great, but we've lost the art of verbal communication skills. Mm I've seen too often things get escalated in business by emails being read wrong. That if somebody had picked the phone up and just talked, it would have been solved. Right, right. I found myself even recently saying, you know what, let's come over to my desk. (laughs) Right. Or pick up the phone and call me. Because to your point, I mean, I can get lost in translation real quick. Well, I'm seeing it even more with the generations that are coming up now. Mm-hmm. where they almost are afraid to talk to people. Right. They try and avoid it at all costs because they're so used to text messaging, emails, Snapchat, you know, everything that where, I mean, I've actually seen some folks, you know, almost panic when you, I say, hey, pick the phone up and just call them. Yeah. And they're like, what? 
<laughs> you know, and I I was laughing the other day, and this is when I'm realizing how my model is I will age, but I'll never become old. Uh-huh. But I hired a young man recently, just finished college, and he's 22 years old. We were talking and stuff, and he mentioned his parents, and then he said, well, you know, my parents are like 45. I was like, oh, my God, I'm old enough to be your granddaddy now. So <laughs> those kind of things trip me out every now and then. So it's helped me also realize I have to really take my time to mm. explain things differently, to make sure people are grasping why. And just kind of share, when you've been working in a craft for almost 40 years now, how much things have changed, but then how they stayed the same and just how to bridge that. So I enjoy so because I'm one of those guys who think I'm still halfway cool. So but that tells you how old I am using the word cool. I'm sure that's not the right word, but I try and stay in the mix and understand what's going on. No, you do. And I love that you do. I love that you're as engaged as you are. For those who haven't listened to the initial episode that David and I did, please go back and listen to that episode. I'll make sure I link that up in our show notes page. In our first conversation, we talked a little bit about you giving a voice to the voiceless, right? Right. You shared some personal experiences and a commitment to helping those who have who've been sexually abused. Right. And you have a platform, an amazing platform called moodyspeaks.com which I invite everyone to check out. Amazing platform. You've developed that site over the years. It's come a good long way. And I've also seen and watched you engage and you talk quite a bit about turning trauma into triumph. Talk to me about the development of Moody Speaks since last we had a chance to connect. Oh, yeah. I've taken that to another level, updated the website. I'm speaking all over the country. And, you know, with the Me Too movement, I'm just really trying to help those, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse who had buried it 36, 40 years before I spoke publicly. Well, actually, it was 45 years before I spoke publicly. I didn't say anything to anyone until 1992, which was my wife. But I also speak about the effects of it. You know, I suffered with panic attacks, anxiety, had a breakdown, and I couldn't stop working. And mm. I, But I had to also keep it secret because in 1992, you didn't talk about it. I was 36 years old. My business was only five years old. So I had to, it was a tough road to navigate. Mm-hmm. So I speak up now to try to help those who are suffering in silence realize, one, you don't have to suffer in silence. There are many resources out there to get counseling help. And I speak up about the importance of getting therapy, nothing to be ashamed of, but also how strong we are as individuals. I tell people all the time, you will learn and you will, in your lifetime, you're going to be knocked to your knees in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. There's something that's going to knock you to your core. You're going to wonder, will I make it through? And you're going to find out how strong you truly are. I didn't think I was going to recover. Mm -hmm. And I'm stronger now emotionally, physically than I was then. But it's because I went through that journey. Now, it was a tough journey. I don't wish this on no one. Childhood sexual abuse or any kind of sexual abuse is horrible for a child, though. Something is stolen from that child that you can never get back. And I found myself for a lot of years trying to recover that missing childhood. And I realized that part of me is gone forever. So I speak up because I want those who are going through this or haven't dealt with it yet know that they can overcome, they can heal, and they can still have incredible lives. I mean, I get people who speak to me about this in private, email me who I don't know constantly just saying thank you because they now know they're not some 
freak of nature and, you know, they're the only one. So it's a very delicate thing to go through. Sir Moody, you know, in our first conversation, you had shared that your parents didn't know at the time, but had removed that person from the environment. Have you been approached by other parents who maybe, you know, caught on to that and are seeking your wisdom on how to help their child? All the time. I mean, I get parents, I get survivors. I get parents who they think something's going on. I get parents who recently found out, just ask me how to navigate it. And Mm -hmm. I just always tell people, I am not a professional therapist. I just share my story. Mm. And I tell people to get proper counseling and the proper therapy for themselves and the survivor. Because as a parent, there's a guilt that comes with that. And I had to let my parents know it wasn't their fault because they didn't know this person was like that. I mean, predators are very good. See, a pedophile predator, they groom you. They get you, you know, so they're very good at what they do. Remember, 90% of predators are family members or someone close to the family. So, so often the survivor has to make a decision. Do I disrupt the family dynamics? Mm. Because a lot of times I've had people come to me saying, well, it was my uncle, it was my dad, it was my brother, it was my cousin, or somebody who was paying bills for the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had one guy say his uncle molested him for like 10 years, but he couldn't say anything because he was paying his mother's rent. It was her brother. So mm-hmm. there's some pretty bad stories out here that people have gone through. But I also have a joy that I show and this genuine and happiness because I want people to realize, you know, yes, we go through some bad stuff in life, but it shouldn't take our joy. It shouldn't take our drive. And I decided very early that I was not going to let that person win again. To me, winning was taking my joy, taking my drive, taking my fire to do all I could do. And I just wasn't going to give them that kind of control again. But that came with therapy and stuff like that, though. Wow. I appreciate the work you're doing. I invite everyone to check out moodyspeaks.com. Is there anything else you want to share in terms of the platform and how people can connect with you? Well, one of the things I always tell people is nobody promised us life would be easy, but it sure is fun if you don't give up. Mm. And I tell people to check me out on Instagram, cmoody1003, or Twitter, cmoody1003. And I'm working on a video, music video. <laughs> you know, Dave Banner and I do a lot of the stuff together because I'm his mentor. Because really? I helped him when he was going through some really tough emotional things. And mm-hmm. we just bonded over the last 10 years. And one of the things I asked him to do, and we're working on it now, I told him I wanted to do a video. You know, one of my sayings is fight through the fear. Mm-hmm. So I want to work on a song and a video that inspires people about overcoming fear. You know, don't let fear control your life. So it's going to be an upbeat. You get to see an OG still, you know, throw down a little bit. I can still move so, a little bit. Some of your line brothers on there, do you? Yeah, you know, I still <laughs> do my little cute step. And, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's the other thing about aging for me. There are a lot of things that I'm going to make sure, with God willing, I'm going to do. So as they say, I don't want to leave nothing on the field. Yeah. Well, as they say, no, I want to leave it all on the field. Yeah, I, I don't want to leave nothing on. I don't yeah. want to leave nothing in the tank. I just want to go. I'm gonna give it all out. Mister Moody, aging is mandatory. Growing old oh. is optional. Yeah, that's right. Because one of the things I did, you know, after we talked, you know, I did a seven day rafting trip down the Grand Canyon. 
What? And I slept seven nights without a tent. On That's the Grand right. Canyon. That's right. That's right. And uh, then I hiked out seven and a half miles, 4,600 feet. And I actually, I trained for about five months for that because I didn't, I had to get up the top of that mountain, hmm. but it was the most beautiful trip. And here's what I learned about that trip. When you're down in the Grand Canyon for seven days, you know, there's no internet, no cell phone, no nothing. And what I realized was how much negative noise we hear every day. Mm. I heard nothing negative for seven days. Wow. That I didn't want to reconnect with technology. When you got back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was scared at first because because I deal with anxiety. Mm. I was concerned man, if I have an anxiety attack, which I very rarely have because I know how to deal with them. But I was anxious because I'm like, if I don't have my phone, I can't call my wife or somebody kind of talk me through it. But after about the third day, I'm like, man, this is great. No wow. newspaper, no nothing. Wow. And no tent. I just looked at the stars and moon every night. That is amazing. That is amazing. Let me ask you before we wrap up here, what are you reading today? What books are you checking well, out? Well, actually, I'm reading a book right now by the person who started the Great American Cookie Company. And really? It's a pretty, yeah. Uh, by Michael J. Coles. And it's called Time to Get Tough. And he started... Great American Cookie Company, and he also started Caribou Coffee. But he also did some endurance bike riding across the country. Bike, he set the record for the fastest bike ride across the U.S., but he had to do it a couple times before he did it. Right, right. And there's some pretty good stories. I mean, so I often try, I love stories of people who had to overcome something to become successful in their business or something like that. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let me ask you one last question. Sure. And one we ask all our guests as we hop off this call. What's one action that our Blazer Nation should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? You have to be honest with yourself what you're good at doing, Mm -hmm. what you really can excel. I thought I was, my degree's in architecture and I started my career as an architect with Beck. I thought I was going, I wanted to have a small architectural firm, but I took a field assignment and a construction site for Bechtel building a nuclear power plant. And there I realized that is where my strength was. I would have been an average architect, but I knew I could be a great builder. So I Mm. took my knowledge of architecture into construction. So I would say, be honest with yourself what you know you can really be good at doing. Yes, love it. Sir Moody, always a pleasure, my brother. Thank you so very much. Keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) I appreciate you. I will definitely stay in touch and I encourage everyone Check out Mr. Moody on Instagram, on Twitter. He will respond to you. He will engage. And he has amazing posts about, you know, life on his journey, as well as life on the Moody. When I saw him in the video, come out, make us number one, baby. Make us number one. I want to get a Grammy. That's right. I love it. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about Trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag MissionFuel. We'll be able to see you, and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at tbpod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. 
And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. <laughs>